This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Hello, welcome. You're listening to Your Money, Sirius XM's Business Radio, Channel 132. That's powered by the Wharton School. I'm Kent Smithers, a professor here at the Philadelphia campus. And remember, we're live every Tuesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Remember, that's just only one hour of reduced the length of the show uh, uh, recently just uh, um, got busy with so many other things, and I appreciate SiriusXM let me do that. Let me introduce my first guest, Jay Friday. He's the head of financial planning with Citizens Bank Wealth Management in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, he's joined the bank in 2017, but he has over 25 years of experience. Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, Kent. Thanks for having me on the show. And if you have a question about anything that Jay and I are talking about in terms of benefits of financial planning, again, number here is 1-844-WORKED, and that's one 844 So, Jay, the Citizens Bank uh, Wealth Management study found that uh, although the majority of people know a financial plan is important, just over half of respondents reported having one. So what's what's keeping people from creating a financial plan? Oh, it's I Kent, I think there's a a combination of industry-specific reasons, but I also think there's some self-inflicted reasons that get in the way of people planning. There seems to be some friction there that the industry uh, needs to figure out. We need to reconcile the fact that, you know, in our survey, 55% of the people actually have a plan, but 85% said it's important. Um, So what's getting in the way of people planning is really the major question. And I personally, I think, uh, like I said, it's uh, industry-specific reasons you know, the industry historically has been focused on the high net worth space. Yeah. They really only want to spend time with the high net worth. That's Historically, that's been the case. So I really feel strongly that a large segment of the population has been ignored. Um, I also think now, currently, there's a little bit of a mismatch in skills um, in the industry mm-hmm. uh, because of the structural changes in the industry where asset allocation and investment management have become more of a commodity. Advisors need to add value in different ways. and. Right. Um, now, traditional advisors that were, might, be seg- might be focused strictly on investments or insurance are being asked to add value in new ways. And I think the next natural step to that is financial planning. But it's really hard to flip that switch and turn somebody who's been solely focused on one investments or insurance and make them a financial planner. Yeah, and it's certainly the planning process certainly takes more time. That's what planners often get concerned about and, you know, hence the planning often focusing on, you know, higher net worth people where the, you know, the time may make sense. But, you know, new and new technologies coming along, you know, to, to, to really bring it down to the uh, middle class. So let's talk about, you know, what's keeping people, you know, the industry's messed up, of course. It's been messed up for a long Time, other I could go on um on a, get on my soapbox and go on diatribes <laughs> about this for a long time. But what about people? Um, they say they need a plan. What's the emotional kind of barriers and how they overcome them? Yeah, no doubt. So from a self-inflicted standpoint, I think it's a combination of lack of awareness. I think there's some complacency there. I also think there's some behavioral issues. Um, you know, people are fearful of um, you know going through the process, and it, it's really not a pleasant process to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, and they're fearful that they're going to be exposed, um, that they've made mistakes. They might have, you know, maybe they have too much debt. Maybe they haven't saved enough. Um, but it's really not a super empowering experience at this point. Yeah. I think some advisors are getting to the point where it, it's getting better. Um, but I also think com- complacency. One of the things we found in the survey is that 
people plan around specific life events, whether it be retirement, having a baby, getting married, getting divorced. Um, yeah. You know, that's really what the kind of the sense of urgency comes around these life events. So the industry, it's a challenge to kind of create that sense of urgency outside of those life events to make sure that people are empowered to plan. Right. Um, and I think it's a little bit of a challenge. And then the final point I would make is that I think it's a lot, there's generally a lack of awareness. A lot of people are just confused as to what the next best step is for them and how they get into the planning process. Um, I think it can be a little bit challenging. Um, but like you, you had mentioned, I think the industry is trying to tackle that by making it a little bit more of a modern experience, a little bit more of an engaging experience and, and trying to make it much easier to enter into the planning process. Yeah. Yeah. And again, speaking of Jay Friday, head of financial planning citizens bank wealth management in Boston and Massachusetts. If you got a question for us, one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And a lot of people sometimes think that they have a financial plan uh, when it's really just that they have an asset allocation for their investments, or maybe they have a you know a simple budget. And we even know budgeting itself is uh, is often not very uh, uh, sticky. Um, is, describe the difference between an actual financial plan and simply you know asset allocation and having a budget. Sure. We were very specific in the survey about what we felt constitutes a financial plan. We wanted to make, we wanted to make sure that there was no ambiguity and no confusion in that. Um, so, I'll, you know, as we stated it in the survey, it's a comprehensive evaluation of determining whether and how they can meet uh, life goals um, through the proper management of financial resources. And then we went on to say that it it should cover cash flow, should cover risk management should cover in savings and investment management, should cover retirement, estate planning, and really should have some tax mitigation techniques sprinkled throughout. Um, but we were really specific. And I, I think the challenge, you know, that's a mouthful, right? I just said, you know, we, we should make it easier, but that's, that's a huge mouthful. Yeah. Um, so I think the industry's challenge is how do you break that down and make the process a little bit more palatable? It doesn't have to be this complete undressing every single time you meet with a financial ad advisor. You know, it, it, you can really chunk the process down, and people can do this on their own by breaking the process down, making it much easier on themselves to mm. kind of get started and mm. get engaged into the planning process. Yeah. And let's talk about kind of the, the human versus the electronic, you know, a, a approach. Mm. I, you know, as you know, robo-advisors and so forth, all the rage have been fairly critical of a lot of the claims that have been made uh, um, by them, um, uh, especially claims on tax loss harvesting are often overstated because they don't account for the basis reset and then lots of other um, issues. And it, 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 at the same time, you know, uh, sometimes taking credit for, we, we know physical, you know, a real person financial planner often deals with some of these behavioral uh, issues. So talk to me about that. Why is it important to talk to an, 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 an individual? Yeah, so I 100% uh, agree with you that um, I, I think the robo space is there's a place and time for it. And I think if we can come up with a, a solution that's more of a hybrid experience where it's maybe part um, robo-advisor, kind of get people engaged, get people into the process really easily, yeah. but give them the ability to meet with an advisor. I think that's the model of the future. I know I agree. Schwab and Vanguard and some of these Betterment, all these other firms are doing that. I don't know if anyone's really cracked the code yet right. on it, um, but, but I, I do think that that's the, you know, where the industry is heading. Um, but I, you know, I think People do want to, we heard it loud and clear in our survey that people do want to talk 
uh, to a human when it comes time to, you know, for these major life events that are big transition points, they want to talk to a human. Yeah. Um, they, they really do. They want, uh, you know, whether it be a empathy or an emotional connection, they want something that the robo can't give them. Um, and, and we've heard that loud and clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, it, every year it's really in the forest or two different groups these surveys of kind of people, investors, and their types and so forth. So for, for years, people have been predicting that electronic only would kind of take over the world and so forth. And we have seen some shift between those who are complete delegators for those, those who uh, are validators. You know, a delegator doesn't want to understand the details. A validator still wants to understand some of the details. But the do-it-yourselfers, are, you know, it's still not a super large you know, a, a group, and especially as you accumulate assets, huge mistakes could be made um, without talking to um, a, a, an advisor. And I think uh, a skilled advisor, whether it's on the tax or the risk mitigation, is, is going to be uh, very helpful there. And so your study certainly points to some of the emotional benefits of a financial plan. And, and, and let's make this connection with financial wellness a, a, as well. People often talk about stress. Um, and uh, other things, just beyond kind of just the, uh, the financial numbers. Uh, it, it certainly, it, it, there's been, you know, attempts by some of the scalable models to try to get into the workplace saying this will de-stress your workers and so forth. And that's always been a little bit more of a challenging uh, sale. But it's actually true that, that there's this connection between financial wellness and your overall well-being. So talk uh, some uh, about that and what your study found. Yeah, Kent, uh, no doubt that is one of the other major findings is that there appears to be a linkage between uh, financial planning or financial wellness with overall well-being. Um, you know, what we found in the survey is that 87% uh, of the people with a plan are confident versus 55% without. Okay, 75% uh, with a plan feel secure about their financial future, 50% without. So there's no doubt that financial planning and financial well-being um, contribute to overall wellness. I don't know if anyone's done like a deep dive into this from a research perspective. I'm sure somebody has, and maybe I'm not familiar with it. Um, the other thing we found is that people enjoy working with an advisor. The most confident segment of our survey were people who have a financial plan and work with an advisor. Yeah. So, you know, there definitely is a linkage there, and I think it's something that the industry could change the narrative around financial planning. It doesn't have to be about all dollars and cents. Yeah. It can be about wellness and it can be about well-being. And I think if we change the narrative around financial planning and make it a component of overall wellness, we might empower more people to go out and get a plan. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And, and you know, certainly from a research perspective, there's always this question about what what causes what? What's the real causality here? In this case, you know, people who are very confident would be, you know, if we were worried about the other channel going the opposite direction, you would you would think that highly confident people would be less likely to take a financial plan because they're just <laughs> so confident. I mean, so in this case, that the fact that we see this strong linkage is really common. It's pretty strongly on the core, uh, the causality between having a plan and and being confident. Uh, and so, f so finally, you, you study also found that most people, you know, they're starting plans, and you mentioned this earlier, there's this, what we call these life events, you know, ha getting married, having a kid, you know, buying a house, uh, uh, things like that. It's often too, too late in the game, and the triggering event for, say, for retirement, people think, oh, I'll retire in a few years. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, maybe the answer 
answer is now is no, no, you won't. And so, or at least not retire with the type of game plan that you, a consumption basket that you were thinking of having in the mind. So talk to about that. You know, why is it, how do we get away from these trigger, you know, life event moments and uh, so that it's not a race to kind of catch up? Yeah, it's a great question, and I don't, I don't know if I have the best answer in the world. I do think changing the narrative a little bit and making it a little bit more of an empowering experience and a pleasant experience. Like I said earlier, it doesn't yeah. have to be this daunting, complete undressing every single time you get in front of a, a financial advisor. I also think the survey said that um, if you can make it a, a, a modern or engaging um, uh, experience where it's a co-created collaborative experience, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's much more empowering. People want to be part of the process. Right. Um, you know, the segment of the population that we surveyed from age 25 to 50, over 70% of the people said they want a modern experience. They want to be part of the experience itself. Yeah. The other thing that I think there's room for, and I know some companies have toyed around with this, is we heard loud and clear within the survey is that people want to be rewarded, right? So I don't know mm-hmm. if it necessarily needs to be a monetary reward. It could be a... It could be just a pat on the back or a recognition that you've hit some cert- certain milestones along the way of planning. Um, but they definitely there's room for this reward system concept, and yeah. I liken it to you know credit cards, but less monetary. I think I think it's more people just want to be recognized for doing a good job and, and kind of. Uh, proceeding down the, the, the planning path. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with that. That was been my experience as well, having a startup in this space some years ago. And, you know, people have talked about gamification in this space, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but uh, it, it doesn't really have to be that. Just a, a feeling of accomplishment of goals, of uh, clicking off things that, you know, uh, I've accomplished that, and then, then help people visualize how that's going to really help them in the future. Uh, no, I completely agree. And I think... Uh, and I also agree with your earlier point. You know, no one's really cracked the code yet, and I think it's a blue, huge blue ocean still. In the outside of those top seventy-five thousand high net worth households that they're trying to hit the the, the broad uh, middle class. Jay, fantastic job! Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ken. I appreciate it. And if you want to uh, learn more about uh, Jay Friday, this terrific work at Citizens Bank Wealth Management, again, you can just go to Citizens Bank dot com forward slash wealth uh, uh, dash management. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.